Watch what happens. Stand still and know that I am God. Again and again and again, God said this to them. And yet, again and again, they had been... What's, what's the po- politically correct, polite word? Rebellious. <laughs> right? Again and again. And yet, here comes Moses up on the top of this mountain, right? He comes up on the top of the mountain, and he had the audacity to say, God, show me your glory. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'll be real frank with you. I'm not man enough to ask that prayer right there. Because <laughs> I don't think I could handle it. I'm not sure I could, I could... Watching what happened to people who saw God, you know, that's pretty scary prayer to ask, don't you think? And yet that's what he did. And so we read then in our scripture reading for today... Exodus chapter 34, look at verse 5. I just love verse 5 because it tells me about my Father, my heavenly Father. Exodus 34, verse 5. Now the Lord did what? What's the verb there? Descended. God came down to meet us. He didn't just say, okay, if you can climb up here, we're golden, then you can be in the club. God descended. He came down. He condescended to be with Moses. The Lord descended in the cloud and did what? What did he do next? Stood with him. Can you imagine what it would be like? I mean, here we are. He had no idea I was going to make him my guinea pig. We are standing here together. Can you imagine standing with God? To be in God's presence and having Him stand there with you? That'd be way scarier than having to stand up in front of a bunch of people when you didn't realize you were going to have to. (laughs) Thanks. To stand with him. God didn't just stand above him. God didn't stand away from him. Take note of that preposition. God stood with. God stood with him. God wants to stand with us. With each one of us. He doesn't want to just stand above us. Yes, He is above us. He had to descend to come here, yes? But He wants to stand with us. He's not there standing away from us saying, when you're good enough to approach me, then you can be with me. God came in the the time when they were rebellious to stand with. That's our Heavenly Father. That's beautiful, huh? He stood with Him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. 
What would that have sounded like? What would that have been like? What would it be like to be, to be with God as he descended on the mountain in the cloud and then to hear him proclaim his name? Do you think that when you came down from that mountain, your face might glow? <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> yes, indeed. And so he proclaimed the name of the Lord. And here's what he said, verse 6. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, big and powerful, watch yourself. Make me an awesome throne on the back of a bunch of what? Lions or tigers or elephants or something. Make sure it's way taller than everybody else. Is that what God said? Is that the way God described himself? How did he describe himself? Look at it. Yes. Merciful. Verse 6. Are you with me? The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. Merciful. The first attribute God wants us to know about him. Merciful. Brothers and sisters, are we known above all else as being merciful? Merciful and gracious. How many of you read the, art, the review article about, about Harry Orchard? Anybody read that? It was online. Okay, we had some people that read the thank you. Good. Harry Orchard, some of you probably know the story already. Harry Orchard, at the turn of the last century, you know, the 1900s. That's really scary to say now, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> at the turn of the last century, Harry Orchard was one of the most notorious murderers in the country. Constantly hired killer of people. It was, it was really something. And he, as his last hit, was commissioned to kill the former governor of Idaho, uh, a fellow named, and I have to look at it because I can hardly pronounce it without. It's almost as bad as Hoffecker, but his name was Stunenberg. Stunenberg. And former Governor Stunenberg, a Democrat, was, was, hired, was, was elected with the help of the mining organization who had hired Harry Orchard. They had helped to put this, this governor in place, this Democratic governor, and then he had called on the Republican president to put down with armed troops <laughs> the 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 mobs from the mines guess how much the mining companies appreciated that so they said we're going to we're going to take care of this guy and they sent Harry Orchard to do it he tried twice failed but finally he rigged up the governor's gate out front of his house and when the governor came out to check the mail, within 20 minutes, he was gone. 
Two days later, Harry Orchard was arrested for the murder. While he's sitting in prison, he begins to think. And somebody sent him a Bible. The president of Hinsdale College, or uh, Sanitarium, sent that to him. Sent him a Bible, and he begins to read, he begins to think. He begins to wonder about his own relationship with the Father. He confessed, not because he expected, because, you know, he was hired by the mine company. He expected them to come and help him out. But as he began to realize what he was, what he had done, he gave up that protection. He didn't, he didn't confess so that he could be, you know, getting leniency. That wasn't his plan. He knew he was protected by the mines. He was okay if he kept his mouth shut, but instead he confessed. So this was not just trying to get something by confessing. He was touched in his heart, and he confessed these crimes. And then, after being convicted of murdering former Governor Studenberg, the governor's son comes to see Harry Orchard, brings him some pamphlets, and steps to Christ. He reads it, and he has a message from Studenberg's widow giving him forgiveness. Where did that come from? She deserved to be treated better than that. She deserved to have him executed for his crimes. But she forgave. She had mercy. And that was the act that convinced him to give his life to the Lord and be baptized because she was a Seventh-day Adventist. And he was baptized a Seventh-day Adventist. Mercy. Mercy when he didn't deserve it. And then what's the next attribute of God in verse 6? Merciful and gracious. What's that next word? Long-suffering. What does that mean? Patience, yes. But it's patience under duress, right? Patience when you're suffering. That is what it says, isn't it? Long patience, suffering. Yes, having duress. Yeah. Yes, endurance under trouble, right? This is not just waiting a long time for the Lord to come back in a nice air-conditioned sanctuary. This is endurance under painful circumstances. Did Jesus show that to us? Did God show that to Israel? Time after time after time they rebelled against Him. Was God long-suffering with them? Has He been long-suffering with us? I know He has been with me. 
I know He has been with me. Merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in what? Goodness and truth. And it's this goodness and truth that means that God's long-suffering is not simply putting up with it. It's not simply tolerance. Tolerance is what you do when your boss does things you don't like. You don't agree with it, but you're not going to say anything. Right? <laughs> God tells the truth, doesn't he? He is, it says, abounding in goodness and truth. God tells us what our sins are. He doesn't Mickey Mouse with it. He doesn't hide it. God is not just covering up our sins and hoping they go away. His forgiveness is getting rid of sin, not covering it up. This is not just putting up with. He knows what sin is. He knows what it does to us. And he forgives when we are honest with him, right? When we are honest in confessing our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, right? And to cleanse us. It's not just that he forgives us for the past. God wants to do something in the present and the future to cleanse us of sin. It goes together. It's not just janitorial work behind us. It's cleansing work going forward. But that's the gospel, isn't it? Isn't that the gospel? And it seems to me, I remember some angel, let's see, where was that? Somewhere in Revelation. Wasn't there some angel in Revelation? Maybe he was one of two or three, wasn't he? Wasn't there an angel like that that had some sort of message about gospel? Where was that? Do you remember? 14, yeah. Revelation 14 seems to me to be right. Maybe also there about verse 6, huh? Revelation 14, verse 6, having the everlasting gospel. It doesn't change, does it? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, yes? The God who came down to stand on that mountain with Moses is the same God that is coming again in the clouds of glory. This is awesome. Because the message that God told of himself on the mountain with Moses is the same message he has commissioned you and I to deliver to a world today that is also rebellious, yes? No difference. The message that he gave then is the message he's giving now. Verse 7. Exodus 34, verse 7 keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Praise the Lord for all of that, yes? But wait, what's this next part? What's this next part in verse 7? By no means what? Clearing the guilty. Oh, I'm in trouble, how about you? Because I know I'm guilty. 
I'm guilty of a whole lot of things. There's a whole lot of stuff in my past I ought not to know. You know? There's a lot of stuff back there. So how do these go together? Forgiving iniquity, but by no means clearing the guilty. That's the message of the gospel, isn't it? That we confess and forsake our sins, and He is just to forgive and to cleanse. Yes, that's the gospel. But it says here, by no means clearing the guilty. Mm, mm. And it says, wait a minute, mm, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. That's pretty tough, isn't it? My grandfather smoked. My father smoked. Smoked L&M's. Guess which brand his son smoked? L&M's. Yeah. When I ran out, I got some Marlboros from a buddy. You know what's really ugly? My son never saw me smoke. But he picked them up. Praise the Lord, he doesn't now, but he did. That's how these things work, isn't it? It's not like God sitting there saying, okay, buddy, I'm going to rub your nose in it. It's just what naturally happens, doesn't it? My father smoked. I smoke. I grow up. There he is. This is what he does. Hey, I just pick it up. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children. It's just the natural way of things. It happens. So does God want us to be afraid of Him? Is that the idea? I'm visiting iniquity on you. <laughs> Is that God? Wait a minute. Come on now. What does Jesus say? What does Jesus say? In Matthew chapter 10 verse 28, what does Jesus say? I hear pages turning. Matthew 10, 28. What does Jesus say? I'll bet some of you know this without even looking. <laughs> and do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather do what? Fear Him who is able to destroy both body and soul. Where? In hell. So... You just told me God doesn't want us to be afraid of Him. God doesn't want us to fear Him. But what does Jesus say there? Fear Him. I can't get around that word there. It's there. What do you do? Does that mean we gotta gotta go around tippy toes with God? But anywhere else, it's okay, right? What does it mean to fear God? You know, right? to reverence, to awe, to have all, to respect Him. Absolutely. To reverence and have all. Psalm 111, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom. How, how do you get wisdom? 
making good decisions, right? How do you get to make good decisions? Bad decisions, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's the way this goes. What God is saying here is that if you fear me from the beginning, you won't have to make those bad decisions. You'll have the wisdom straight up. Wisdom from God that you can't get from bad decisions even. Because sometimes bad decisions lead to bad ends that don't give you too many choices. I don't guess I'm going to go out to any track meets and win them now. I smoke too much, right? Besides being a little over the hill. <laughs> We are not here to be frightened of God. But we are here to listen to Him. If I don't have respect, if I don't have reverence for God, I'm not likely to listen to Him. And so we're here to fear God in that way. Wait, wait. I'm hearing that angel again, aren't you? Aren't you hearing that angel again? Those angels are saying something to me again. Revelation 14, verse 7, right? Revelation 14, verse 7, the first angel saying with a loud voice, Fear God! Brothers and sisters, this hasn't changed. The message delivered to Moses, the, the revelation of God the Father to Moses is exactly what we are to be giving to the world. We're to be giving the world a revelation of God the Father. And it's not so much that we go out and wag our fingers in people's faces and say, you better start fearing God. Because that's not how God works, right? But it's by our life of obedience to God. It's by following Him that people can see that we fear God. And they see that we're blessed because we've got that wisdom that begins only with the Father. Exodus 34 and verse 8. Exodus 34 verse 8. Look at Moses' reaction as God declares his name. Exodus 34, verse 8. So Moses did what? Made haste. My wife's made an awful lot of things in the kitchen, but she has never made haste. What in the world is that? Make haste. What is that? He hurried up. He didn't waste any time, right? When we, when we see, when we really see who God is, we're not going to waste any time kneeling down. When we really know who He is, we're going to hurry to our knees. He made haste, it says, and bowed His head toward the earth and did what? Worshipped. Brothers and sisters, why are we here today? We're here to worship, aren't we? We are here to worship God. And it's not just that we're here to sing hymns and listen to the Bible and those kinds of things. We're here to make a connection with the Father. We're here so that the Father who has come down, we recognize Him and we are quick to bow down. 
to recognize that this is no ordinary place when we're in here. We're not talking about how much we sold our truck for. We're just not. We're here in this place, in this sanctuary to worship. To worship the one who is so awesome that as Moses got this revelation, he quickly bowed his face to the earth and worshipped. This is the God that we serve. Moses comprehended who this was. But Jesus also said in John chapter 17 verse 26, The love wherewith thou hast loved me, did God the Father love God the Son? <laughs> yeah, throughout all eternity, that love was unbroken, wasn't it? Jesus came to this earth as a man. Did God love him less? Definitely not, right? In fact, that he was willing to sacrifice would make that connection even stronger. And Jesus said, with the love wherewith the Father has loved him, or the wherewith thou hast loved me, may be in them and I in them, Jesus said. He was thinking that the love that the Father had for him would be in them as well. That same love should be in the hearts of God's children. What a promise that is for you and I. What a promise that that love of the Father, the love that the Father had for the Son from all eternity might be extended to each one of us. Would that make you worship? What a love. What a tremendous love. And it's for you and I to give that love to others. We are here to give glory to God today. That's why we're in this place. But it's not just on Sabbath mornings. Not just in the confines of this building. But it's in our everyday life. It's where we go. It's what we do. If we had that love of God in us that He had for the Son, won't that shine out as the love of Jesus did to the world? Won't that make a difference in every person you meet? Won't that shine out? So we are here to show that love. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have what? Love one for another. Brothers and sisters, the worship takes place when somebody in this church does something you don't like. That's when we love one another. Maybe it's when they say something behind your back about you. Maybe it's, maybe it's when they play the wrong kind of music. Maybe it's when they, they eat the wrong things. <gasps> Please. Are we willing to love like Jesus loved? No. 
We're not talking about covering things up. We're talking about loving and being gracious and being merciful. Not putting up with, not enduring, not tolerating. We're talking about real love here. Real love. The kind that God has had toward us. The, guy, the kind that we're being asked to have toward one another. That's worship. That's real worship. To look like Jesus looks. To be full of God's love and share it with others. That's what we're talking about. And that's what it means to give glory to God, doesn't it? And there's an angel that talks about that too, right? Saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to Him. That's what Moses did. That was the reaction of Moses when he saw this great God to give glory to Him. Brothers and sisters, that's our work as well. That is our work. That's what He's called us to do. Our work is to reveal the character of God. The three angels' message is nothing more than revealing the character of God to those who don't deserve it. Can I get an amen in here? Thank you. That shouldn't be a new thought to us. That's what God did. That's what he asks us to do. This is nothing more. Nothing more than revealing the character of God. That's what the three angels' message is all about. Revealing the character of God. Not just here where we have suit and tie. Sorry. It's about revealing the character of God out there when things are tough when somebody murders your, murders your husband and you extend to that person forgiveness and it turns their life around. Can you imagine? That's what it's about. It starts in our homes. If your spouse does something it just drives you nuts. When will you learn to put the toilet paper on the right way? <laughs> when they do stuff that you've been fighting over for years, now's the time to let it go. Now's the time. Now's the time to let it go. It starts in our homes. It starts with our children. To reveal the character of God, especially to our little ones. To those who are just learning who the Father is. That's what we're here for. It's needed especially when people wrong us. And as we do that, we proclaim the name, the name of our loving heaven.
heavenly. 